0: Hey guys, it's Maya with My Opinion. I'm super excited to be back and relaunching and have my first episode um, with the facelift that I've been working on with My Opinion. As promised, today I have one of my best friends with me, uh, Sloane, you guys have seen her on my social media pages, I'm sure, known Sloane for so many years. We actually went to the same high school, so we're not gonna say how many years, that is. (laughs) But I'm super excited to have her here. She's going to be talking about finance today and I really want her to talk about her background and just give us some advice about finance and how we can apply it to our lives. So Sloan, welcome to the first episode of My Opinion. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited. So why don't you tell us about your journey to becoming an attorney and Now you're in the finance world, so talk us through that.
1: So, I mean, I was born in South Africa moved to the U.S. when I was six years old, so I am the daughter of immigrants. Um, I grew up in Petrie City, Georgia, which is the land of golf carts, and then um, I moved on, went from there to college, where I focused with um, political science, and then graduated from there and went to law school in Jacksonville, Florida, at Florida Coastal School of Law. And then I have been a practicing attorney for the last seven years or so, Primarily, my focus for the first five years was family law. And then I transitioned from there into bankruptcy law for the last two years and some change. I will be practicing for a full seven years in December.
0: Yay, congratulations. I know that's so exciting. So I remember when you were in family law, it wasn't your favorite.
1: Yeah, so I was also doing family law, criminal law, personal injury, probates, was doing a little bit of everything. Family law is very dramatic. There's a lot of emotions involved, which is not my favorite thing. I feel like bankruptcy law is a lot more straightforward, a lot more focused, and a lot more rule-oriented. So that's kind of the things that I kind of associate with. It's just always funny that it's always all about the money because mm-hmm. I feel like so many jobs in being an attorney mm-hmm. deals with money. And so anytime we go out or anytime we are anywhere, yes, anytime they find out I'm an attorney and specifically what I do, either mm-hmm. even when I was a family law attorney or even now as a bankruptcy attorney, I feel like every time it's always about, so what should I be doing? How should I handle my finances? What right. should I do? Um, what should I be doing? How should we be planning? How should I handle my accounts? All of those kinds of things.
0: Right. I mean, we'll be out and just sitting at a bar or in the restaurant and, you know, they ask us what we do and then they just gravitate towards you. Well, let me tell you about my financial story, right? Do they want to know how they can get out of debt or should they file chapter, whatever? Obviously, I know nothing about this guy, so that's definitely why Sloan's here today, but... It was really exciting to watch you transition from family law to or you know, criminal, all the things you've done in the past to bankruptcy because you are so passionate
1: about it now and finance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've always been really passionate about helping people with their finances. And it's something that I really gravitate towards because it's something I really struggled with, especially when I was in college, you know, the overdraft fees, the mm-hmm. every single time you're ordering pizza, you're really hoping that the oh, card yeah. swipes all the way through. Oh yeah. Um, so it's certainly something that I had a lot of trouble with. Um, when I graduated college, I went to my uncle because my parents, not the greatest with finances, mm-hmm. let them both, but that was not their forte. And I knew he was really good with finances. And so I basically asked him for a breakdown and I was like, I really think you're successful. I think you've done very well for yourself. Can you help me? And yeah. he was one of those people that kind of mentored me and assisted me and kind of helped me kind of shape my whole trajectory in terms of yeah, finances. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's amazing
0: that you at that point knew, okay, I've got to get my shit together basically with my finances
1: because a lot of people
0: at that age don't think about that at all. Well, right. I mean,
1: I think it's such a huge thing to have somebody that you can ask. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people are in situations where they don't know who to turn to if they didn't have good role models, they didn't have good people in their lives that had their finances together. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's hard to know who to turn to. It's hard to know who to ask the right questions mm-hmm. to. And so I think, you know, having a financial advisor, having somebody, even a trusted family friend, is a great way to start in terms of like planning, where you're going, what you're doing, and how you can get there.
0: Right, I mean, I agree completely. I, you know, came from two parents as well that weren't exactly the most financially savvy people. Um, One is really successful financially, but could have probably made better choices. So I completely understand. I had to kind of navigate this on my own. Talk us through, like, the mentality, how to start this early. Is it too late to start this? I don't – in my opinion, I don't think so. It's never too late. It's never too early, right? But how do we set this up? Like, how do we do that?
1: Talk us through that. Well, I think for me personally – I find it really helpful to have a mantra i think everything starts kind of with your intention setting and kind of your goals and if this is something that you want to work towards i think it's really helpful to have some kind of phrase or something that catch-all that'll kind of help you focus yourself and your energy okay so give us an example like what's yours or what's so, one that you've given somebody before the secret has a lot of really great ones mm-hmm. um they have some that are like i have more than enough money I'm a money magnet. I love money and money loves me, which always makes me laugh. Yeah, I was heard like, that. that one's my favorite. Yeah. It makes me laugh <laughs> yeah. so hard. Um, no. Manifestation Babe has a couple really good ones. I am harmony with the energy of money. Um, I think what a mantra does is it just kind of gives you that kind of focus of what you're focusing towards. And as woo woo as it sounds, I mean, athletes do it, professionals True. do it. It's a way to kind of focus what your goal is and what you're trying to do. And I think it's a really good starting point for something that's really intimidating and scary to a lot of people. Right.
0: So let's say I'm starting a business, so I would put the mantra like around my business and then also like healthy relationships with money and make some kind of mantra like. And I
1: think money can be scary to a lot of people. I Mm -hmm. think money can be something that's intimidating. I think, you know, when you're looking at it, all you see is bills. I think that's a really easy Mm -hmm. way to get bogged down in it. And this is kind of a fun way to flip it on its head. Right. So do you recommend that
0: once once I've made my mantra or we've made our mantra because we're all learning from Sloan today, <laughs> in my opinion, it is a little bit scary, right? When you said that because you're kind of holding yourself accountable for that. But how do you achieve that? Like in 2019, do you just have one job or do you have like wh- how, what are your recommendations I
1: mean, I think everybody should have a side hustle. Okay. I fully believe that there should be no one out there that just has one job. You should never have just one income source. I think that's a really great way to set yourself up for failure. Yeah. I think that, I mean, at any time, your job could be axed. Mm-hmm. And you never want to be in a situation where you're solely dependent on one source of income. Right. I think millennials especially are realizing this. Yes. I think you look at the way that most millennials run their lives. Mm-hmm. They have two, three, four, five jobs mm-hmm. at all times. hmm And I think, honestly, it's really smart. Because the truth is, there's nothing worse than getting yourself into a hole because you just didn't have anything else. Right. And so I think you need to look at things that you can do to kind of earn more money, to kind of look at things that you are passionate about. Right. If you like writing, there's tons of copywriting websites. Mm -hmm. If you like selling things, if you can really find things, you can sell things on eBay. I mean, there's so many different options out there now that you can find to... Increase your income ability. So yeah, I, I I agree completely
0: because I've been doing this for a couple years now as well, and it's definitely taken that level of anxiety away. Oh, if I lose my main job, that's cool because I'll I'll focus more on one of my side hustles that have taken off, and it it works. It truly works. It takes that anxiety away. What if now I know the things that I'm passionate about because it's been a little while since I've been out of college and I've been working for a while, so it's easy for me to pivot and say okay I'd like to do this on the side and then once it becomes successful I can potentially leave my full-time job or it can be you know an alternate revenue stream what if it's someone that's young or someone that's been in the workforce for so many years like and they need to know like I'm not I don't know what I'm passionate about what are some things that you recommend like the jumping off point
1: I mean honestly I think there's nothing better than trying Mm -hmm. So I feel like if you really like dogs, why not sign up to do WAG? Yeah. So you can do dog walking. Mm -hmm. I mean, it can be something as basic and easy as that. It doesn't have to be rocket science. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be something that you commit yourself to forever. Mm -hmm. It can just be something that's just something extra that you know that you have to fall back on. Also, if you have a job where you do things like, and as long as your contract permits you to do this, if you prepare taxes, if you can prepare taxes on the side, great. If you're an attorney and you can do things outside of your firm for a little extra money, obviously you already have that skill set. So why mm-hmm. not put that to use? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's websites like Fiverr that'll pay you $5 for things, graphic designers, all these kinds of things do these kind of projects just to get their names out there to kind of get more... Um, exposure and things like that i think it's all it's all about what your skill set is so it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you want to spend the rest of your life doing Mm -hmm. but i also think the more things you expose yourself to the more likely that you're going to have something
0: yeah i agree and that can be your money that you set aside or it might lead you to your next passion i love that you said wag because guys i'm not even kidding when i was working from home all like for years and years i was a wag walker is that what it is? Wag walker. Yes. So on my lunch, I would go and, and walk dogs. And some people would make fun of me for it. They'd be like, why? Like, you don't need the money. You
1: always need the money. You always need the money, right? Well, and here's the thing. Like, you can be setting that money aside into your savings. Yes. And that's, like, a huge thing. So mm-hmm. everybody, like, the vast majority of Americans do not have enough money set aside for an emergency or for losing your job. Mm-hmm. So why not do something to create an additional income stream for yourself? that you can be squirreling away those kinds of money so that you don't have that kind of devastating financial loss. That So yeah. you don't end up in a situation where, God forbid, you have to file for bankruptcy. See, um,
0: you know, you guys can't make fun of my wag-walking anymore because it was a good plan. It was a good plan. At the time, for sure. It was super smart. So you mentioned saving and having, like, an emergency fund if something is to happen or if you lose your job. What is your recommendation with that? Are you saying that you should have the typical three to six months? I mean, I feel like this environment is a little bit different
1: now. I mean, but you're the expert. What do you think? I mean, I think it's just kind of overwhelming, especially when you're first starting. So... As far as I'm concerned, if you're first starting, if you're able to squirrel away five bucks a month it, just to start out, mm-hmm. I think that's a good start. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of really great apps out there that'll mm-hmm. help you. Um, there's some really good ideas from Acorn. I Digit, was just going to ask you. Okay. Smarty Pig, Tip Yourself, Max My Interest. All of these came from Credit Karma, which is also a really great resource. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's a ton of different apps that'll help you kind of squirrel away money that you won't necessarily miss, which is always a good idea, especially when you're first starting, because it's really hard to let go of that money out of your bank account Mm -hmm. and move it somewhere else. Yes. But I strongly suggest that you have a separate bank account that is your savings bank account. The one that you do not carry the debit card with you, Mm -hmm. that's the one where you squirrel the money away. Obviously, you can transfer that money back to your account if something were to happen, Mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be something that you can easily access. So that you can kind of build up some money just in case something were to happen. I mean, there's there's recommendations anywhere from 5% to 20% of your income Mm -hmm. should be uh, held in savings. Honestly, I think if you're first starting out, don't stress yourself out by the percentage or anything like that. I think starting is the biggest part. I think once you're starting, you can kind of get on a roll and then kind of find what works for you. But I mean, obviously you want to be working towards something that's moving and increasing.
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I, was totally just about to ask you like, what apps do you recommend? Because we haven't really talked a whole lot about this, but I use Acorns and I just, I just forget about that money like it just goes out i forget about it it's good i get emails sometimes i'm like oh yeah i have acorns whoops okay cool but i think that's the mindset you should kind of have right like that money's out of out of sight exactly. out of mind it's and growing that's for really you.
1: great part about it is that it literally takes it out of your hands so you don't even have to think about it it's just something nice that you can like bury away for a rainy day mm-hmm. and if god forbid you get a flat tire or something mm-hmm. like that i mean it doesn't financially ruin you mm-hmm. i mean You know, if you lose your job, whatever, Mm -hmm. you need that money. You need that money for rent and food and all those things. So, I mean, I think those apps are great tools to use. Yeah. So why wouldn't
0: you? I mean, you have no idea what can happen in life, right? So many tragedies happen, emergencies, loss of a job is just one of many. So having the money set aside and and having that financial freedom and having that stress off of you is, is awesome.
1: What do you think about 401Ks? I have a lot of different thoughts, but I think if your employer offers it, you should at least be contributing some of your income to it. So what's a good 401k? Because
0: everyone, you know, has a different opinion. I feel like millennials are like, no, we're stopping that. And then some of them have been advised by parents or financial advisors that have been in the family for a while. Do it, do it, do it. What's a good match? When is it worth it? You think you should do it. but
1: I mean, I think in terms of retirement, I think you should diversify as much as possible. mm -hmm. So I think in terms of what you're doing for your retirement. I think you should think about a 401k, especially if your employer offers it. It's not a bad way to have money that disappears from your account that you don't feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's and really it's tax, hard. And it's tax-free. Exactly. So that's a positive. That's why I so would So it's not it. something that you have to think about. It's not something you see disappear from your account. It's not something that you personally have to plan ahead for. I personally use mine. I do 5% of my income. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard as much as 10 to 20% of your income, I wouldn't go that far. Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in diversifying. I'm a big believer in having multiple places where you're saving for retirement. And I think that having multiple places is the best way to possibly make sure that God forbid something goes down with your 401k, it's not the end of the world, there's other sources that you have for retirement. But I do think it's really important, especially when you're first starting out, to start with a 401k especially if your company has matching because that's free money you don't want to leave free money on the table i agree with that so i'm so glad i was right (laughs)
0: my opinion was right about that so that's good and obviously diversifying i've learned that the hard way because when i was just out of college we're not going to talk about when that was but you guys can probably figure it out I was like all about the 401k because that's what our parents like knew and told me. And then I realized, oh, there's these great apps coming out. And then I can also, I can even diversify within my 401k. So I right. evolved from that point too. So I think that's amazing advice. And obviously you've seen it work. So I want to make a lot of money, Sloan. Like everyone <laughs> wants to make a lot of money, right? I mean, I've, I've had a great career. I'm happy, but everyone wants to keep moving forward and, and you know, build their, you know, their profile and obviously what they have. In their accounts and diversify but how do we build wealth how do we make
1: sure that we're i mean i think stocks are a great way to do that especially in the short term i feel like stocks are a lot more volatile but i mean if you can ride out the wave then a lot of times you'll make a lot more money. You want to have good advice when you're going into stocks or you need to be somebody who's savvy enough to look into that, or you need to find somebody that can help you. There's also a lot of really great apps with that too, which is also really cool. Robinhood is one that's really great right now. Never heard of that. So Robinhood will give you a free stock,
0: That's amazing. whenever
1: you sign up, which is super fun. It's just a great way to kind of like dip your toes into stocks Yeah. because stocks are really overwhelming. Um, they
0: scare the shit out of me. It's a lot of information. And you know, my boyfriend Jackson, he is like all about it. He checks them and then he'll be like, "Oh no, I need to forget about that one for a while." And I'm like, "What are you even doing?" I don't even know. So, you recommend if it's someone like myself that doesn't it, it see stocks and the opportunity to invest in stocks and is like, "Oh my god, I don't know what I'm doing."
1: Seek out a professional, use the apps, what do you rec- Diversify again? So, I mean, Me, personally, I do have a professional that helps me with mine. Okay. It was somebody that my uncle recommended. Thank God for him. Otherwise, I would be in a very different position. I feel like this
0: whole story ties back to your uncle. Like, the finances and you having this passion for this and finally finding that that's where you fit in the attorney world. Not to go off on my no Um, tangent I mean he was an
1: accountant I think you know he was very passionate about money and he was definitely a penny pincher he came from the greatest generation he was World War II vet yeah he was very much like very careful with his money and so I think a lot of the advice he gave me was especially to seek out people who are smarter than me (laughs) good (laughs) advice when it comes to things (laughs) that I don't know a lot about and I'll be 100% honest with stocks I don't know a lot Mm -hmm. It is overwhelming Mm -hmm. the amount of information that you need to know in order to plan well. There's a lot of great financial institutions that will assist you in coming up with plans that are either, they'll allow you to set up the amount of risk that you want to take, which I also think is really good. But you just want to make sure that you're signing up with somebody that has really good reviews or really good um, longevity in the business. So check those Google reviews,
0: Yelp, whatever it is that comes
1: up, right? And Um, if you can always get a personal referral always better so if a friend or family member is doing well with their stocks ask right
0: it's that stamp of guaranteed you know you're gonna get good solid advice I think that's that's awesome yeah it's it's a scary world for me stocks so I always ask that question but I'm so fascinated by it I used to in my 20s yes I'm not in my 20s anymore I used to read books about stocks all the time and I played around a little bit with it and I really didn't lose any money, but I never, I think, had like the guts to really like go all in. So I, I'm really fascinated by
1: them. Well, I mean, I think it's just one of those things where I mean, if you want to try an app like Robinhood, you're not gonna lose a lot. Either. Yeah. So I think it's a really good way to like try something, see if it's something that you're interested, kind of making that risk, kind of getting that. But you also have to kind of make more decisions mm-hmm. when you do an app like that mm-hmm. and if you really don't want to make as many decisions you may want to look at things like e-trade or things like that edward jones okay companies that'll kind of set things up for you
0: yeah I'm, I'm not the best decision maker when it comes to things like that what else do you recommend so stocks we know that we know that works when when doing it responsibly and obviously using the right resources whether it be a, a financial advisor or something online that you're comfortable using, but what else do
1: you recommend to build your wealth? I mean, you can look at traditional Roth IRAs. I mean, those are always good sources Mm -hmm. in terms of like, if you get a bonus or something extra money that you have left over, stash it away. Yes, it's a good way to stash it away, and it also is a way to protect you in terms of taxes. When you have to pay taxes is the biggest difference between the two. With the traditional IRA, the contributions are deductible in the year they are made, but with a Roth, your withdrawal won't be taxed. So they're kind of two sides of the same coin.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, but,
0: so I've always wondered the difference between them. Do you recommend one more than the other, or just depends on
1: your needs? So if you have a lot of money, which I don't have a crazy <laughs> amount of money, um, you can only do a traditional IRA. Okay, but, um, if you have, like, smaller amounts of money, generally a Roth IRA is a better choice. Okay. Um, and it's also just something that's more feasible for people who don't make
0: bookcase. Right. But if you do go with the traditional? You can, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. All right. Learning Learning so much. The Seriously. rich and famous. No. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, they can do Roth IRAs, too, but... It, it wouldn't make sense It wouldn't make sense. So it depends on how much you are willing to invest and your income level.
1: Absolutely. And a lot of, like, the best advice I found on that was from... CNN, and things like that. I mean, if you type in the difference between the two, there's 50 million Google results that will explain all the differences between the two to kind of help you kind of make that final decision. But for me, I feel like if you're younger, broth just makes more sense. Well, you kind of see it all in the financial
0: world and what you do, obviously being an attorney. So we're talking about how you can make money. Are those your two two go-tos for sure stocks or are there some
1: other ways that you? i recommend? mean stocks iras your 401k are all good prep for retirement mm-hmm. and also growing your wealth i mean you can also look in different ways to invest um some people like property i personally am not crazy about doing property I was just gonna because ask it's very speculative prop-
0: yeah property. um
1: and i feel like you really have to know what you're doing i was briefly a landlord mm-hmm. i lasted about six months mm-hmm. um you have to be really invested you also yeah. have to have somebody who can do a lot of work in terms of handyman work that kind of thing and if you are not handy you will end up paying a lot of money right so you got to have your go-to guy or gal either one
0: um that comes and gives you obviously a discount so when people people are owning and renting multiple places it can work out but if you're just you just have one property and let's say you want to keep it and rent
1: it out You have to make sure you're making some money on that, right? Or getting some equity. Exactly. And a huge problem is a lot of people, when they have extra properties, what they're doing is they're just paying off the mortgage every month, but that's not really, like, getting you any additional wealth. Like, that's not getting you anything extra. Okay. You're literally just stretching yourself thinner and thinner, Mm -hmm. and you're not getting anything for it. Like, yeah, I see what you're saying. So, it would be better for me... Because we
0: both own our homes, right? right? So it would be better for me to strike while the iron's hot, sell my house, and get the equity that I have because, obviously, we're in Atlanta. So thank goodness our homes, right. home value is going up. It's not like everywhere else. Some places have that. Some places don't. I so mean, especially
1: great. if you're in a situation where you can make money now. Yeah. Um, if you're in a situation where you're in a good market and you've looked at it and you know that you can make the money, unless you have a designated system that'll assist you in your process in terms of, like... Maintenance and any kind of like hardware needs or anything like that, unless you have that kind of system set up, it is very hard to make money on rental properties because there is so much expense involved. No, it's not. The furnace will blow and the AC will blow. And if you think about like when you own your own home, Mm -hmm. all the things that go wrong. That will happen times ten yeah. with a rental property. Because they don't take care of it like their own. Exactly. Right. And they don't change the filters like you
0: would. <laughs> I, and they don't do I'm guilty all of that. The I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: that you would do if it was your house. Right. So I mean, even the best renters um, can cause a lot of problems. And you can also run into situations where renters don't pay. Sure. So then you're having to worry about eviction and things like that. And that costs a lot of money all while you are out. All the payments that you need and then you have to cover the mortgage
0: and whatever else expenses that you know go along with that particular property while paying your expenses and your mortgage or rent or whatever you
1: so chosen to I do. strongly suggest you are more you have significant amounts in savings if you're doing rental property Got it just because it's it's a risk mm-hmm. I mean it's like anything else that's a risk but in terms of my personal comfort level I felt like if you're just doing it for one property it's just not random. it's not enough
0: yeah so i i don't want to talk too much about home because you know we have so many things to talk about still but everybody asks this question everybody is it better to rent or buy and everybody thinks it's better to buy but in my opinion it's not always better to buy. Oh, absolutely not.
1: So you tell me, (laughs) I mean, it depends on the market. It depends on a lot of different factors, Um, especially if you um, live in a city and it's really expensive to commute. I mean, you just wanna look at all of the different factors. You wanna look at expenses. You wanna look at how much it would cost. If the only place you can buy is the suburbs and it's gonna cause you A, a two hour commute, or something crazy like that. You're going to be spending so much time back and forth. It's Quality gonna... of life is down the tubes. Exactly. Right. And not only that, but it's also the expense of that and then all of the things that go along with that. Yeah. I mean... Just so you can own a home. Right. And say
0: that. Exactly. So it's not always the best thing. It, it's probably better to save Stop. up And
1: then buy renting and then mm -hmm. buy when you're able or in the area that you want to buy. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's also dependent on like if you are in a market that's really not good, you're not really sure. If it's a bubble that seems like it's about to burst, Mm -hmm. probably not a great time to buy. I mean, if it seems like prices just keep climbing and it's just crazy, then it's probably pretty volatile. Yeah. That makes total sense. Well, I had to get that question answered
0: because I just talk about that with people in life every day. So I think it's a constant battle whether I think it's a goal. Everyone wants to own a home by 25 or 30 or whatever it is. And yes, it, it, I know it felt great for you when you bought. It felt great for me when I bought. But
1: guys, there's so much that goes on with it. Like it's I also think like if you don't have savings when yep. you buy a house, you are begging for problems. Good luck. Yeah. Because, A, you have to have a mortgage payment every month. Yeah. So, God forbid you lose your job mm-hmm. because then you can face foreclosure, you can face all sorts of really right. negative ramifications. Right. Which are very different than if you just have rental expenses. Which is why you need a side hustle, too. Exactly. Agreed. <laughs> and savings. Yes. Um, and then there's also, B, it's just referring back to the fact that, I mean, things go wrong with a house. I mean... My AC All went out. Time. You literally had to put the new AC unit with a crane. It was a thousand extra dollars. Yes. And I have a warranty insurance, but mm-hmm. obviously that does not count. Like a Doesn't crane. does cover a crane, for <laughs> sure. Oh my <laughs> a God. A new AC <laughs> unit on top of my building. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's one of those things. It can be a really great thing, mm-hmm. but I have a huge problem with people who think that checking off boxes at a certain time is a good idea. Agreed. Because I think it's all about what's good for you, what's Mm -hmm. going on in your life. And if you are somebody that likes to move every year or every six months, good for you. And this, buying a home is not for you. Exactly. And that's fine. Unless you, unless
0: it truly makes sense and you want to invest in an area that you visit or something like that. Right. It's something that you really
1: want to stay. It has Mm -hmm. to be something that's a long-term commitment Mm -hmm. for you. If you're not ready for a long-term commitment good on you like that's fine but you need to know yourself well enough to know that you're not ready for a long-term commitment right and don't buy a house right you don't need one it's okay like yeah and ignore your parents yeah like i'm sorry that you're not buying a house but you're also not putting yourself into a precarious financial situation for no reason yeah i think it's
0: just you said it perfectly like people are just checking off boxes but we're in i mean we're in 2019 this is such a different time people have different passions whether it's traveling or moving different places to work or maybe they, it's just not that important they want to you know gain their wealth like we talked about in other ways and that's perfectly fine an investment in a property is not necessarily a poor choice but it's not always the best choice for you
1: exactly and it's just it's also volatile I mean, realistically speaking, Very I true. mean, you can buy a house that you feel like is going great and it's in a really good market five years down the line, maybe it won't be. Very true. And you have no way of knowing that. So I feel like you have to be secure enough in your finances and diversified enough mm-hmm. in your finances to know that that isn't your be all and end all and that can't be your only plan.
0: Right. Yeah. Great. I mean, that's great advice. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about obviously what happens when you buy a house. We've been talking about this for a minute. There's so many things that we have to pay for now, and credit cards are such a huge thing. It's a big part of, let's face it, all of our lives, right? So how do you feel, we talked about how you can make money, get get wealthy, property, but how do you get out of debt? So many of us have debt. I'm Um, gonna raise my hand because I use credit cards. I'm like, I want those miles, and I want that bonus cash back, and then I'm like, oh, wait, I probably should have budgeted a little bit better and I've learned some lessons from that.
1: I mean, I think credit cards can be a good tool. I don't think you should throw away your credit cards or completely burn them unless you are literally somebody who has maxed out all of your credit cards and you've reached the point of no return. Um, If you were at that point, obviously, maybe you should try to move towards a cash lifestyle or something else just in the meantime while you're paying down that debt. 'Cause you the can't
0: control obviously there's something going on and you can't control and money manage effectively, right? Right. So you need to take that distraction, temptation away from you. Is exactly. That you're
1: saying that. But mm-hmm. for most people, you can use credit cards effectively and get benefits from them. Like miles or points or whatever you were trying to get. Right. The biggest thing is you want to be able to pay off your credit card at the end of every month. Right. If you notice that you start to kind of build up that balance to where it's getting huge, mm-hmm. A lot of the reason for that is the interest. Interest gets away so quickly. Mm -hmm. It's a huge problem in terms of being able to pay things back. Things kind of get away from you. And it kind of creates a situation where you're kind of chasing your tail. My first suggestion would be to transfer your credit card balance to another credit card that doesn't have interest.
0: Okay, I was just going to ask you about this because I get these offers in the mail all the time. And I, you know, have wondered in the past, luckily I'm not in that situation now, I'm like trying to find some wood to knock on right now, but I've seen them and I've wondered, so that, so say I get an offer in the mail, right, from Chase or American Express and they're right. like, you can transfer your, you know, whatever, 10,000, whatever it is onto this card and until December 2020, I have no interest. And then, so you're recommending that is a good idea. I would say if your
1: plan is to pay it off, Mm -hmm. it can be a good idea. Okay. So you have to be focused. Mm -hmm. If you're doing this, your focus has to be not, oh, now I have extra space for my credit card. Mm -hmm. It has to be to pay it off because then you're not chasing your tail without additional interest. So you actually can chip away at it, but Mm -hmm. you have to make a plan. You have to set money aside Mm -hmm. and you have to plan every month how much you're paying off and it can't be the minimum. Because if you're just paying the minimum, you'll never pay it off. Right. So that's always the trick with credit cards. They tell you a number and you're like, great, $29 a month? I can absolutely pay that. Mm -hmm. That is not the number you should be paying off. No, that just keeps you having
0: the credit card. And then you've got interest and then you've got, yeah, so it builds up. That makes perfect sense. So
1: if you can give yourself a reprieve, if you can give yourself a year, Mm -hmm. let's say, where you don't have interest accruing, you can chip down on that balance. Right. And I mean, obviously that will help. But you have to be focused in that you're not just paying that minimum payment that whole time because then in a year, you're going to find yourself in that exact same situation. Right. Let's
0: say that I have $10,000 and I'm like, it's on this credit card that's high interest and I get this offer. And it will go, you know, now it's September 2019. It will go through December 2020 as long as I pay it off. So I've got this $10,000. So I need to budget. I need to break it up between all those months. $10,000 in what
1: those payments would be, right? Exactly. And then have that goal. And try to have that goal to pay off as much as humanly possible, obviously within whatever your means are. Mm -hmm. Pinterest has a lot of really great budgeting tools. It has a lot of great, like, ways you can lay out how much money is coming in. Oh, Lord, I love Pinterest. (laughs) I'm such a problem. Um, And so it has a lot of really great ways from Excel spreadsheets to regular spreadsheets, bullet journals. I didn't you, know that. Have you never tried bullet journaling? Uh, you know
0: I haven't. I'm not, okay. I'm not as... not love pin- journaling. I know, I love journaling, and I do it physically, so I need to do it on Pinterest. You absolutely I do. I know, you love Pinterest. I really do. These are
1: great ideas. So, bullet journaling is basically a way to lay out things in a really pretty manner in a journal. That's a very concise... So you can you use this for, it's a budgeting tool, you can use it. Well, it as, you can use it for anything, any okay. kind of like organizational tool, but it's just an organizational tool. So if we have some Pinterest lovers, this would be the choice for them. Exactly. Okay. So um, it's just a very pretty way to lay out your finances. And if you need finances to not be scary and awful, it's mm-hmm. kind of a nice way to lay it out. Cool. But basically you want to start with how much money you have coming in and then look at how much money is coming out. The best way I could do that is basically looking at my online accounts. Mm-hmm. So... Personally, I sat down in front of my computer one day and I basically went through all of my accounts. I looked at all the money that was coming out, all my utilities, my mortgage, any fixed expenses that I had. And I kind of had that money come out of there to see what I had after that. Mm -hmm. And then I thought about everything else you spent. So obviously, I ate out a lot, I don't know about you. But, you know, I have a life. Yes, we go to dinners together, so I'd say so. That's a little Achilles heel for us. But, yeah, you know, so I set money aside and I look at kind of how much I've been spending in terms of that. Now, whether or not that's the right amount or not, sometimes I just give myself the amount that I've been spending and Mm -hmm. see where we go from there. And then I'll look at shopping, how much I'm spending on clothing, all those kinds of things, deduct it from that, and then kind of see what I have at the end. So if I have, and you also want to think about your savings as well. So that also sure. should be deducted out.
0: Because you you're allotting a certain amount every paycheck to your savings too. So that should right. be a fixed expense. I'm not really great with that all the time. But you have to set wh- whatever it is. If it's as little as $25 or $50 or if you can do 100 to five hundred, a thousand, whatever
1: you can do, you should have a fixed expense, right? Exactly. For you every, should have a fixed okay. amount, and you should also be thinking about any of those debts, so your credit card expenses, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. If you have to scale back your savings to do that, fine. But I honestly think if you can scale back somewhere else, that's probably going to be better. Oh, for if sure. If you can cut somewhere else, uh, clothing. I mean, I've seen people do fantastic projects where they've literally not bought clothes for a year. Yeah. I am not that person. I am super impressed that they are able we to We don't do have that. that willpower. No, <laughs> I don't. But I do think that there are a lot of really creative ways that you can work on spending less money. Yeah. I mean, brewing your own coffee at home is not nearly as glamorous or exciting, but it's something I personally do mm-hmm. in order to save money so that I don't buy Starbucks every single time I go out. Right. Obviously, not the most grand and extravagant of expenses but that's
0: one that's talked about a lot is don't get that you know five six dollar latte in the morning and it
1: adds up and it really does well I mean I think it's just small ways that you can cut expenses out of your budget right so if you are the kind of person that really 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 loves your hairstylist Mm -hmm. and that is something that you don't want to take away as a fixed expense then find a way to save money for that Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you can't have that I just think it's also important to think, what can you cut back in order to save up for that? Yeah. So that it's not something that you are in a situation where you lost your job and you spent your entire tax refund on a haircut and new shoes. When you don't have any savings and then you're left without anything.
0: Right. I feel like you're talking about real life examples, obviously, because you're like, you've lost your job and now, so I feel like you definitely see this a lot where people are living... Beyond their means and then something happens and i
1: mean i think it's an easy trap to fall into and i don't Mm -hmm. want to be judgy or judgmental or anything else Mm -hmm. i think it's really easy to do and i think i've been very privileged and very blessed to live a life where i have not had um things necessarily decimate me Mm -hmm. even when things have gone wrong Mm -hmm. um i think a lot of that is starting planning young Right. I think knowing... All back to your uncle. Exactly. (laughs) Like, thank God for him. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of not overdrafting your accounts, because it just starts to build a hole that you can't get out of. Like the credit card debt. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that's really hard to get out once you're already in. Right. And if I can stop people from getting into that hole before they already get into that hole, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the greatest thing you can do for yourself. At that point, you really can build wealth. If you're in a situation where your paycheck to paycheck can't get out, I mean
0: and you're paying off debt, you're never gonna have enough to set aside for your savings in your future, so you can be free. Exactly. And
1: so that's why things like side hustles are so important. Mm -hmm. So that they can kinda give you a little bit more financial freedom, especially when things are really tight. Right. Because everyone goes through some kind of emergency or tough time in their life,
0: and they need that. And preparing for those things, not to be negative, it's to be positive. Because if that never happens to you, great, then you've got a huge chunk of money sitting over there from your side hustle or, you know, again, your 401k, your um, stocks, whatever you decided to do as your diversification.
1: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, like, when I graduated law school, my first job out, I made $25,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that was not enough money to cover all of my expenses. So I lived with room. Right. I made a lot of decisions about, like, whether or not I would go out. Mm -hmm. I also worked retail Mm -hmm. to make more money. I mean, you have to do, you have to make sacrifices, you know? And at some point, those sacrifices can pay off Mm -hmm. if you're able to do it for a long enough period of time.
0: Right. For sure, and you were lucky to make twenty five k because not everybody walks out of college making so that. True. And it's really yeah. it's really tough. Yeah, out of college, I had three jobs. Yeah, I And mean, that was that, and then it narrowed down. But you had your side hustles too, and yeah. you have to because you you got to pay the bills, and then finally your life kind of narrows, and then you can be in into what you specialize in, which exactly. is where you are now, which is awesome. So debt, we've we know, pay yes. it down as fast as you can. Credit cards, pay them off don't keep that on there, right? Keep Right, the, and the I balances. mean, you can use your credit card. Just make sure it's expenses that you can actually pay off. So let's say that I'm someone that has just really sunk myself in to some debt and is considering options. I, I, I don't know. Fortunately, I thank God every day. I have not gotten into that situation, but... These are clients that come to you, right? They don't
1: know what no, they're, absolutely. They're and doing I mean, so I debt? personally do consumer bankruptcies. Okay. So um, I do Chapter Seven and Chapter Thirteen bankruptcies. Um, Chapter Seven is basically if you earn under median income for the county in which you live, and you also have to have a limited amount of assets. It's kind of simplifying things, mm-hmm. but um, and then Chapter Thirteen is a restructuring repayment plan. It's kind of a very personalized experience in regards to whether or not you need to file for bankruptcy, generally I don't recommend somebody file for bankruptcy unless they're incredibly overwhelmed and it's really kind of their only option. Okay. Just because it's it's a lot. It's mm-hmm. a, a huge undertaking. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing to put yourself under. And while a Chapter 7 only lasts four to six months, you can only file once every eight years. Okay. So it's kind of the kind of thing where you need to know, this is my only shot at it, and so I need to make sure that this is something... But if you have significant medical debt, if it is a situation where you just cannot get yourself out of it, I would strongly suggest you seek out a bankruptcy attorney and at least talk to them for a consultation. The because vast... you give a free consultation, typically, right? Absolutely. A, and so if they're charging for a consultation, steer clear. Well, I mean, I just think you can get a free consultation, so why not? Especially right. if you are in a financial situation that is precarious, why spend more money? So if, But
0: if I found an attorney that was going to charge me for that, I should steer clear, right? Obviously, that's not...
1: I mean, different attorneys have different practices. I will never critique somebody else's practice. (laughs) I will just say that we don't personally charge for consultations. I know most firms don't charge for consultations, especially in bankruptcy. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason is you should hear your options and kind of decide for yourself. I think it is a huge undertaking. Um, Chapter 13, stop foreclosures. I mean, it's it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. You have to continue to make your ongoing mortgage payments while also making a plan payment. It is a long-term undertaking for the next three to five years of your life. You need to fully understand what your rights, what your responsibilities are, if you were to file for bankruptcy. And it is not a quick and easy fix, which most people think of bankruptcy as. Right. I feel like,
0: you know, I think a lot of people envision Michael Scott in The Office when... You know, he, Jan has spent all his money and Oscars made that, you know, whatever graph for him. And he just walks out and he goes, I declare bankruptcy. I, you know, it's just, that's all over the internet. It's hilarious. But... It's not that easy.
1: No, it's not. <laughs> Obviously not that easy. And I easy. mean, it's it's a complicated legal process that I strongly suggest you have an attorney that will assist you through. Um, you can file for bankruptcy on your own, but it is a very complicated process, and the vast majority of bankruptcies that are filed solo believe it's less than 80% are successful. Wow. It's just one of those things. I don't think it's for everybody. Right. But there are certainly situations where it can be appropriate. Right. And I don't think it should be considered the easy way out because it certainly isn't. Right. I think that there are a lot of restrictions and requirements in bankruptcy that people don't realize. I think there's a lot of court oversight that they don't realize. We tell our clients, as soon as they sign up for bankruptcy, they are no longer in control of their finances, somebody else's. And that is really hard for people.
0: Especially when you have put yourself in this situation because
1: you've just kind of gone rogue typically, with your expenses, depending on the situation. Well, I mean, you know, we see a lot of people who have profound medical debt, who've been through awful situations, really devastating Mm -hmm. divorces, things like that. And, I mean, there are a lot of very valid reasons to get to the point where you really can't dig yourself out of the hole you're in. Yeah, that Um, makes sense. But, I mean, in terms of a Chapter 13, you're paying back some Mm -hmm. of that debt. Now, whether you're paying back all of it or a portion of it, kind of depends on your income and other assets. Right. But, I mean, it's not just a free ticket either. Mm-hmm. And while a chapter seven will get rid of your unsecured debts, unsecured debts or credit cards, loans, anything not secured by property. I mean, it's still a four to six month process. You still have to go in front of the, the court and basically attest that all these things are true. You can't have significant assets because if you had a significant asset, like a house is taken from you, right? Well, not necessarily. Okay. So your house would have to, you can protect up to $21,500 worth of equity per person. Okay. In a Chapter 7 bankruptcy Mm -hmm. in the state of Georgia. Okay. Obviously, this is my area, so I only practice in the state of Georgia. I will not attest to what the laws are in other states. Right.
0: But But, the rule of thumb with bankruptcy and Chapter 7 and 13 that you specialize in, it's kind of the same with your recommendation, though. Not the rules, but you're recommending only
1: seek this route if you... And get free counsel. Yes. I mean, if you feel really overwhelmed, if you're in a situation where you just feel like you can't climb out of it, I... Obviously, think it's a great idea. I mean, I've had friends of mine reach out to me who've asked for Mm -hmm. advice. It doesn't mean that they necessarily have to decide that they're going to file for bankruptcy. Yeah. But I think you should know all your options. I think you should know everything you could possibly do, and we can have a frank, honest conversation about your finances that maybe you haven't had somewhere else.
0: Right. Especially if they've gone through a divorce or a medical situation or something really extreme, or death or something really extreme where they've had to pay a lot of money or a job loss, whatever it is, right? It would be best for them to seek someone out and, and find out what their best options are. Absolutely.
1: And yeah. I mean, it never hurts to ask. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those situations where you're not having to pay for it, so why not?
0: All right, well, that's awesome advice. I know that's what you specialize in. I have one more question, though, about filing bankruptcy, and then I'll get off this topic and talk <laughs> about the fun stuff to wrap it up. If you file bankruptcy, yeah, does that stay with you forever? I know people, it's like... Do you rent or do you buy? That's a question that people ask all the time. I mean, it's one of
1: those things, it stays on your credit report for seven to 10 years, depending on the credit reporting agency. Okay. So, um, I mean, it's definitely something that'll hang around. Mm -hmm. I mean, it depends in terms of renting, buying, how much effect that'll have. The further out you get, the better Mm -hmm. off you are. Mm -hmm. Um, We always would tell our Chapter 7 clients that as soon as they walk out that door, they're going to have 50 credit card offers. I don't know why. Really? But as simple, because they know they can't discharge it right away. Wow. Because they know that they'll have to pay it back. Okay, that I would never have thought about that, but that totally makes sense. So, because they know that they can't discharge it recently, they send them a ton of credit card offers. Okay, and don't accept those because that's no, crazy. You're going dig- you self- to be back at the office funny. again. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're going to be back seeing Sloan or whomever it is that you want to see. Right. Okay, yeah, I mean, I know that's just a question that is often, that's around bankruptcy. Doesn't it stay with you forever? So it doesn't, but it's best to go ahead and take care of it and, and move on.
1: I mean, it's one of those things, if it's the right choice for you, it will not affect you forever. Mm-hmm. Will it affect you? Yes, it will.
0: There you go. You have the
1: answer. We've got a
0: great like recap of financials here. You know, Make those money moves, right? Make sure you have a side hustle. Make sure you're investing in stocks and your 401k, the amount that makes sense. For me, in my opinion, when I was working for whatever company, I would just put in what they matched. And it kind of right. sounds like that's what you were saying, too. I mean, I think
1: matching is such an incredible tool. Why mm-hmm. not use it? Yeah. I mean, if it's just a company that doesn't give it, i just do 5%. Yeah. So
0: Okay. 5% is the final recommendation if they don't match. We know that we need to get out of debt, pay off our credit cards, make a plan, stick to it. Right. And if you have to go the bankruptcy route, we now know a little bit more about Chapter 7 and Chapter... 13. And so you got a
1: friendly attorney.
0: So Sloan, tell us where your office is. Tell us um,
1: how they can contact you on social media. Well, I work for the City Law Group. Um, we're off of Claremont Road. If you just look up City Law Group, you just Google. You can find us there. Um, you can also reach me at uh, etate000 on Instagram.
0: You can definitely reach her on Instagram. And I will tag her as well. If you guys have any additional questions, I know Sloan would love to answer them, love to speak to you about any financial questions in general that they have. This is what she does every day, and she's super passionate about it. I have another question, though, before we close this out. We talked about how you became interested in getting on the right track financially right out of college, talking to your uncle, love the story, love how it's progressed through your life. But is it too soon to teach like our children this or is it too like I wish I knew how to like uh, nobody nobody writes checks anymore nobody writes checks anymore but I wish I knew how to write a check you know I was paying my uh, rent in college with a check because that's all they accepted I know I'm dating myself now but I mean because you know millennials I had someone come up to me (laughs) technically we're millennials but I had someone come up to me at my previous job and, and say how do I how do I do this and you they were not believe a check. how
1: often I have had to answer that question.
0: It was a 24-year-old, and I'm like, oh, my God, I feel old. My fiancé has no idea how to fill out a check. I mean, Literally right? has no earthly idea. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, Granted, I don't use checks anymore. I have them just in case, and, yes, they're Hello Kitty. But, I, I mean, I get it. After we laughed, and then I was like, oh, because it was a pretty millennial-friendly office, and I guess he would be even younger. I'm not sure. I'm not great with all that, but... He did not know. So when do we start educating? I'm like, if I had a a child, I'd be like, okay, let's talk about
1: finances. Let's start a little account. But I don't, I mean. I think as soon as possible is always the best choice. So actually one of my uh, friends who's in bankruptcy has just written a book with his daughter. Oh my God, stop. It's called When the Rhythm of the Drumbeat Changes, a child's first book about money. You can find it on Amazon. It's fabulous. It's written by Milton D. Jones, who's a debt relief attorney, also a bankruptcy attorney. And Amber P. Jones, which is his daughter. And it's their like co written project that they have been working on. It's their labor of love. Mm -hmm. And they are writing all these children's books. They have a project where they're writing about like ten different books Mm -hmm. about different things that they think that they wish they had learned in school.
0: And so their focus is on
1: kind of exposing children to things that they haven't necessarily heard about Mm -hmm. or experienced and so this is the book that he's just come out with it's absolutely fabulous I just looked at it today it's in a whole bunch of libraries so you can look at it there or it's also on all the traditional big booksellers Amazon of course Amazon yeah Mm -hmm. those kinds of things perfect well we'll definitely
0: tag that too it looks super cute that's so exciting and You know, making money fun and making it something that is interesting for kids and important. It is one of the things that we're not, you know, I see this all the time too on social media. People say, I wish I was taught this as a kid, or I wish, you know, we learned this in school. You know, here
1: we are learning, like, geometry, and we really should have learned how to manage our finances. Well, I mean, basic budgeting, basic understanding of money, I think all those things you can start out really young. Yeah. And I think the sooner you learn about it, the easier it is. That way you don't end up in college and overdraft your bank account trying to buy pizza. Right. I mean, Bank of America loves me, I'm pretty sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) anyway Sloan, thank you so much for being here with us this was so fun absolutely it was my pleasure awesome great awesome so you guys can definitely follow Sloane I'll make sure that I tag her in this episode any questions you have of course you can ask her you can ask me you can always find me at Maya Roffler on Instagram and at my opinion podcast on Facebook thank you so much for listening to the first episode of the relaunch of my opinion